So my uh, next two guests have been flying under the radar for some time in, in, in the mixed martial arts world. And they've only kind of in the last maybe year or two, because I mean, I, did, I never knew about them until like last year. I was like, who are these chicks? But anyways, they are two ladies who came up with the plan for fighters who are cutting weight like no other. Clients include, and I'm only listing the female clients because this is a female show, um, UFC champ Amanda Nunes, UFC fighter Nina Ansaroff, Bellator fighter Valerie Letourneau, Olympic judo gold medalist Kayla Harrison, and IBJJF Pan Am and world champion Gazari Matuda. With a combination of medicinally-based nutrition and practical tips for injury prevention and treatment, I'd like to welcome my next two guests tonight, Michelle Ingalls and Paulina Indara of Perfecting Athletes. These two ladies have set the gold standard for making weight cutting and feeling great. Hey, 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 this is Evolve WMMA. And I am your host, Shelly Devine. Welcome, you guys. I'm so excited to have you. I, Happy I, to be here. Thrilled Hi, to have you guys here. You have so much knowledge, and I can't wait to share this with, with our listeners. Um, My pleasure to be here. Thank you. So if you wouldn't mind giving us um, um, a little bit of background of, you know, maybe um, Paulina, if you want to start, um, what your background is and just to, uh, just a little bio about yourself. Um, okay. I've, I, I've been working for Michelle, I think, um, Michelle, correct me, 13 years, 14 years, something like that. That's right. I've been working for Michelle. Um, both uh, with Perfecting Athletes and her private clinical practice that she has. Uh, I've been doing martial arts for maybe 20, 25 years, somewhere around there. Um, mostly stand-up, kyokushin karate. I did do a little jujitsu, um, but with the amount of traveling that we do, it's difficult to get that training in. It's a lot easier to shadow and hit the bag on the road than it is to find a partner to roll with. So um, that's been my focus more than jujitsu, sadly. Um, and that's, that's about it. Oh, wow. So the jujitsu thing is a little, well, we'll get back to that. And how about you, Michelle? Hi. Uh, so my background, I am an acupuncture physician um, and a fellow of the American Board of Reproductive Medicine. And uh, I have been practicing Chinese herbal medicine, Chinese nutrition, and acupuncture for uh, over 18 years. <laughs> and uh, I have studied martial arts for, oh my gosh, over 10. I don't even, I haven't even counted. Um, like 15. <laughs> oh, yeah, Probably at time. least 15. <laughs> a long time. Um, like Paulina as well, uh, I studied Kyokushin Karate and um, have not been able to practice as much over the last few years as I'm on the road, you know, 37 mm -hmm. to 44 weeks a year traveling with the athletes instead. So they are my primary focus now and uh, training has taken a backseat, but I'm always uh, evolving and learning knowledge to help them increase uh, their game. That's so awesome. I, I know the feeling of not getting the training in and 
it's like random. You go to a class and you have a great time and it's like, okay, I got to go. I love you, but I, I have to go. I got to, I got to help fighters. You mm-hmm. know? So I, I get that. So did you two both train together? Yes. And, and that's how you guys got to know each other and start this, this uh, perfecting athletes business. Actually, Paulina was uh, competitive. She was a full contact karate um, competitor, ranked third in the world in Kyokushin um, stand-up. And she actually came to me as a client first to help her (laughs) recover from her injuries from all of the fighting. So uh, she is how we, you know, she came into my clinic. I had a a private office in Connecticut for many, many years. And uh, she came in as a client. And then we started training together and then we started working together and uh, the rest has been history. Wow. Paulina, how did you have the wherewithal to know to go to an acupuncturist, herbalist? I mean, um, my massage therapist actually referred me over to Michelle and said, listen, if you are having such difficulties moving in the morning and mm. kind of functioning throughout the day, you really, you really need more than just massage. And so she said, and acupuncture was always something that had interested me. I mm-hmm. just didn't have somebody that I could go to because it's not, it's not something that's prevalent, so to speak. I mean, yeah. it is now, but 15 years ago, perhaps it was a you know, kind of, it flew under the radar and she referred me over to Michelle and, you know, I started seeing her all of the time. Um, I realized that there was a tremendous benefit Mm. to seeing her um, on a weekly basis. I was, you know, a lot of the pain uh, that I had from training, back pain, hand pain, foot pain, that type of thing, um, wasn't as prevalent. And there were some weeks that it wasn't there at all. Mm. And um, on the weeks that I didn't see her, I noticed that I was in more pain, that my energy wasn't as good, that I was more sluggish. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, it was, it very quickly became obvious that, alternative medicine, acupuncture, um, <clears throat> Chinese herbs, et cetera, nutrition was, was kind of the, the piece that was missing for me that made me a complete fighter. You know what I mean? Um, it's one thing to go to train. It's another thing to be able to train and not be in pain. You know, you're able to do more. You're able to focus more. You're able to get more out of your training. You're able to compete better, fight better, et cetera. So acupuncture became just as important to me as training every day. Yeah. And, and that was, you said, 15 years ago when you About started? About 15 years ago, oh. yeah. Wow. Because, I, I mean, I know I, I've been in the, the martial arts game for a while, and I, I did work with some of you guys. I, I worked with the UFC fighters before you guys actually, maybe, I don't know. Nobody knew about you. <laughs> um, you know, um, like nobody been, knew about you we've guys. Been, we've been I, working I think, with UFC for over a decade. Yeah. 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 Yeah, because I'm, I'm thinking there were men that I worked with at Sityatong years mm-hmm. ago, but I did the laying on of hands type work and Thai mm-hmm. massage on them for pain. And I didn't really know too much about acupuncture at the time, but now I'm so happy. I mean, I've used it too, so I'm so happy to see that, um, you know, people athletes are use, utilizing that and getting good results. And I, I have, I mean, I, I've seen I'm bowing <laughs> because I know what you do. I, it's awesome. Um, so um, 
let's hear about how you guys how you started um, with with the MMA fighters and and the weight cutting because that's huge, yeah. especially in the last uh, couple of years. Um, uh, there's been some changes where you know the UFC has set a standard for it, and is, it, because there was some problems. Um, and now you're, you've actually written a book and let's just get a little bit into that. So how did this all kind of unfold for you, for you guys? Uh, Pauline, you want to take this or do you want me to? <laughs> um, uh, my partner and I, we owned a, um, martial arts school, uh, in Connecticut and we had several fighters that, um, were in MMA and, you know, they kind of asked us, you know, how we kept healthy. Was there somebody that we could recommend? Their doctors were telling him that it was impossible. And I was like, you know what? I have somebody, I've got a secret and I'm going to share it with you guys because you guys are our students and our friends. And so I started referring people over to Michelle mm -hmm. and one thing led to another. They started referring, um, people to her and, uh, we started going on the road, helping athletes, you know, cut weight and rehydrate correctly so that things like their brain were protected. Mm. And it really was one of those cases where, you know, we started with one athlete and it was, uh, you know, I had a full-time private practice and I was training at night and I would help people in uh, class and, you know, it was just, okay, this is simple. I'll write up a diet for you and then go back to work. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, I'll help you and do some acupuncture for you on the mat uh, to help you recover. And, you know, it really wasn't anything that gave me, um, I just thought I was doing a nice thing for somebody. And then, you know, you know how it goes. It's like I helped one person and they told two friends and they told two friends and so on and so on. And the next thing you know, it's, uh, it's evolved into uh, an entire company. Yeah. So it was the, really just a very organic um, growth. An underground growth. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of how the mixed martial arts started too, which yeah. is really kind of cool. Well, um, you know, everything that we've done with all of our clients has been word of mouth and we have always kept it at that. So, you know, in order to work with us, it's always been that you had to know somebody who worked with us that could vouch for you because we really do things very differently. Um, because of my background, because I look at everything through a medical perspective, um, I'm really focused on keeping people healthy and giving people longevity. And so I do things that aren't going to jeopardize your career or your health in the long term and really are going to make you feel good for this fight and then every fight going forward and then to have a career afterwards. So in order to uh, really trust that you're going to believe in what we do and how we do it and follow the process, you had to know somebody that went through it. So mm -hmm. it wasn't like we were out there advertising and putting our name all over. It was, Hey, you know, what are you doing? Oh, let me tell you, but you know, you have to know somebody to get their phone number. So mm -hmm. <laughs> that's why it's really been quiet for so many years. Yeah, you let your clients do your marketing for you. Very smart, exactly. very exactly. savvy. That's, that's <laughs> and, and then it builds at a pace where you too you can handle handle it, and and you're you're doing right by your client too. You can really take the time out for them. So that's it's just a, that's a great marketing plan. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, so. Um, you, you know, I, I actually, I'm just going to, as a sidebar, I wanted to ask this, were you, uh, both, um, uh, was Amanda Nunes one of your clients 
last year when she, um, you know, backed out of that fight? Was she your client then or did she um, your client? Amanda, uh, Amanda's been a client since before she became champion. Mm -hmm. Oh, I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. So that's good. So yeah, when, when that all came down, were you guys like a little iffy about like, uh, because I think uh, her opponent was saying, oh, it has to do with the weight cut. And where you guys are both, you know, really, I, I mean, she came out and it was a sinusitis thing and, you know, and everything. It, it, How did that it play out? It, it wasn't, it, it wasn't the weight. Um, but if anybody knows anything about having horrible sinus infections, it's, it can, it's debilitating. Um, and you take being in an arid condition and, you know, having the weight cut and traveling, whatever, it just happens. You know, people get sick. I mean, and if you're going to get sick, it's going to happen during fight week. The demands of, of being in a championship fight are one thing. The media demands are something else. The demands of cutting weight are something else. Um, and sometimes you just, you, there's nothing you can do. And you know what? Good for Amanda for knowing what her physical abilities um, needed to be. And there's no point in putting your belt and your legacy on the line if you're not 100%. Yeah, I thought that was a really huge thing for her to do because you don't typically see that. And I mean, even, you know, when and, and when Dana White came out and he was like, well, you just, you know, you just don't show up for your fight that day or whatever. Do you think it's because of the, um, what you you are putting out to your 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 clients and how you're treating them, you're giving the, you're setting up a standard because that was a huge thing that she did turning down, you know, not showing up for the, saying I'm withdrawing from the fight and, and having the fortitude and the strength because you don't see very, you wouldn't see the guys doing that, but for a woman to, to get up there and do it on that platform, do you think it's like that, that, that might've come from you too, because of the way you handle your business and, and she, you, you have like this way of being with your clients and you're, you're setting a standard and you're changing things. You guys are in the process of changing things for um, how fighters go about weight cutting and everything. Did you see that maybe you influenced that through um, the set of ethics that you guys put forward to your fighters? And, and that's, do you get what I mean? <laughs> I, I do understand what you mean. And um you know, here's the thing, men, women, all fighters can get sick, all fighters can get injured. And when they declare it to the physician, what they do, um, you know, that's up to them and their camps. And uh, all I can say is that, yes, you are correct. Everything that we do is let's keep you healthy to live another day and to fight another day. And whatever it takes to, to make you healthy, we will go the extra mile to do that. But sometimes that's just not possible, and sometimes the timing is just off. And, uh, you know, she's certainly not the first person that it's happened to. She's just mm -hmm. the one that they've just uh, been the most vocal about. Mm -hmm. uh, but as Paulina stated, good for her for knowing. Yeah. Um, you're going to go in there and you're going to get your head smashed and you're going to get punched and you're going to get choked. And to do that, when you have a deep sinus infection, uh, I can't imagine any other person going in there and doing that. So, um, you know, to hold her to a different standard is, uh, unrealistic. And, mm -hmm. uh, and sure enough, she got it taken care of. She addressed what mm -hmm. she needed to, and she's gone in there and continued to fight and show that she is a, a dominant champion. 
Yeah. I, I mean, I think that's awesome that she did do that. I, I, it just, it's a, it was amazing to me that she did and that, and she was on such a, you know, she was at such a high platform and being the champ and saying, no, I'm not fighting, but I can't help but think that part of um, that courage that it took to stand there and say, no, I'm not going to fight tonight because of this. I'm, my health is more important mm -hmm. than, than you, the UFC. <laughs> yes. And I, I, I think it might be because of her camp and you guys being, you two being a part of that camp mm -hmm. and setting that, that kind of, no, this is how it's going to be from now on. And um our athlete, our athletes, our clients, whether they are professional athletes or models or, you know, the, um, a mom who her job is taking care of the kids or whatever the case may be, the clients that we have absolutely know that Michelle's number one priority is their health. And it doesn't matter what anybody else says. If a client says, you know what, I don't feel well, that's enough for her. She'll advocate for her client, regardless if it's, the popular opinion or decision or the thing to do at the, at the end of the day, she'll always advocate for her clients and everybody knows that. Yeah, it definitely comes across for sure. Um, and can you speak um, to um, the, the holistic approach you use that includes uh, mind, body, and spirit and the difference you see in tradition between traditional um, Western medicine and Chinese medicine practices concerning health and wellness. Oh my gosh, that's a huge topic. <laughs> uh, no, well, well, okay, so maybe we'll narrow it down just yeah. a little bit. Sorry. Um, okay, so in probably the, the simplest terms, Western medicine um, is a much newer form of medicine. And it is based on you get sick, you see a practitioner who gives you something to get you well. It's not, it's really not about uh, preventative medicine. It's not about longevity. It's not about long-term healthcare. It's about what can we do to get rid of whatever's bothering you at this moment. Um, it's really kind of acute. Chinese medicine is, oh my gosh, whatever, three to 5,000 years old. It is currently used by more than 20% of the world's population. And it has been used to literally treat everything uh, that a Western medicine can um, by different populations around the world. It's, it's fairly new in the United States, uh, but obviously the most common form of medicine in other parts of the world. And in Chinese medicine, uh, acupuncture, tween, uh, mock sebastian, gua sha, um, cupping, you know, there's nutrition, uh, there's herbal medicine, there's so many different modalities that we use. Uh, and it's really focused on preventative medicine. Let's take a look at what you are as a whole, as a whole person, and figure out how to make that better, figure out what might be coming up uh, for you as what might be bothering you in the future. It's basically predicting what's going to happen next. And by doing so, we can prevent an injury, we can prevent an illness, or we can treat it in a way that makes the body stronger instead of weaker. Um, and the real beauty of it, and one of the reasons that so many professional athletes use it, is that with acupuncture and cupping and moxibustion and herbs and nutrition, uh, we can treat it without anything that is a banned substance. There's no side effects. There's nothing that uh, is going to be contaminated. We can really just keep you healthy using food that you can get anywhere in the world at any time.
And, uh, and, and that's a great thing. You don't have to worry and you feel great. Yeah. Um, so, um, when you're speaking about like the body, uh, you know, we have, we have how it's traditionally treated, say injuries through, you know, Western medicine it, and, you know, either they, they're putting in uh, cortisone shots in, into these people, into the guys, girls or women. And, um, you're not treating it that way for pain. When you, when you have a fighter in fight camp and you know they're going through whatever they are, you know they're in the shark tank, <laughs> and, and and then you know that night. I mean, it, it, do you treat them with with acupuncture during mm-hmm. fight week? And absolutely. And uh, what is what is their response been like? How how are they? You know, is it immediate? Mm-hmm. So during fight week, absolutely, we do, we bring everything, uh, you know, anything that can make their life easier, make them feel better, make them sleep better, wake head easier, uh, be more awake and alert and um, and on for all of their interviews and, and all of the media that they have to do. So of course, it's cooking for them and uh, giving them their snacks and their drinks and uh and making sure that they're on their places on time. But it's also, do they need acupuncture? Uh, it'll loosen them up. It'll help them recover from plane travel or car travel. Uh, it helps them sleep. It helps them relax. I mean, the thing is, as you get closer and closer to a fight, obviously, uh, stress gets higher and higher. Uh, appetite goes down. Sleep goes down. Stress goes up. You know, you're ramping up for this fight that's so exciting that's going to be this huge adrenaline move but before that you've got all the stress so anything that we can do uh acupuncture cupping massage uh herbs nutrition we absolutely will pull out all of the guns to help them relax and feel better Mm. and perform their best i mean isn't that the the whole goal it's not just to make you make weight but it's to make you feel really great afterwards so that you can really perform your best that's awesome. Paulina, when you were, when you were competing, um, you know, what motivated you to seek out, you know, alternative therapies? I mean, I know your, your um, therapist had said, you know, go here, but did you, did you have to see like um, traditional, you know, doctors here in the States? Um, um, or what was that like for you? Um, I've always believed that you, there's always a time and a place for everything. Mm -hmm. So there have been times that Michelle has said, you know, you, you probably need to go and see an ortho surgeon Mm -hmm. for that, you know, to get that fixed. Um, But the pre and the post uh, has always been Michelle. I'll give you an example. I had to have surgery on my knee, um, but I didn't want to be out for a long period of time after surgery. So, um, I gave Michelle the MRI and all the information and she said, okay, these are the things that we need to do to get your body healthy for surgery from the anesthesia to the antibiotics, to the grogginess, to the fatigue, to the inactivity. These are the things that we need to do to help kind of mitigate um, the, the negative side effects that you'll have because of surgery. These are the things that we need to do to keep your body healthy. And after surgery, these are the things that we need to do to kind of um, help you recover and help you come back quickly and come back better. Mm -hmm. So it's not that I used one in lieu of the other. Mm -hmm. Um, I've used them in conjunction, but my 
everyday um, kind of fall fallback medicine has, at least for the last 15 years, has been Michelle. Mm-hmm. If I have a cold, I go to her. If I have, um, if I'm sore, I go to her. And what I have realized is, is that tradition, traditional, or in this case, Michelle is the tra- has traditional medicine, right? Because it's been around much longer. But Western medicine has always been take this pill, and if you have a side effect, take this other pill, and if there's a side effect to that, take this other pill. And that's not really how me personally I want to live my life. Mm-hmm. Whereas Michelle. If I go to her and I say, hey, this is going on, she'll say, okay, nutritionally, this is what you need to do. Maybe these herbs for a short period of time to kind of help you get past the initial, whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. Um, and then kind of your, let's make your, her answer is always, let's help your body be able to be stronger so that you don't need medication, so that you are able to heal itself. And that's, and personally, that's how I want to live my life. I don't want to have to depend on a pill. I'd rather be able to make my body strong enough uh, so that it doesn't need these things, whether it be from nutrition or natural um, supplements or herbs or, you know, the teas that she may make. I know that in the background, you can see all of her herbs. That's all for custom teas. The way I look at it is, is that if a couple thousand years worth of Chinese medicine can't fix it, then and only then will I seek um, kind of uh, Western medicine, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, it, traditional Chinese medicine has been around, you know, it was around before x-rays and diagnostic tests and things mm-hmm. like that. And somehow they have managed to survive, right? So mm-hmm. why not give it a chance? So uh, what I choose to personally use is traditional Chinese medicine and I'm a big advocate for it. And you know, why do I need to put a chemical in my body that's just going to make me feel worse a lot of the times and then have to take another chemical, you know, pharmaceutical to balance those side effects? It seems counterproductive and counterintuitive to me anyway. Mm-hmm. So for me, traditional Chinese medicine and specifically Michelle has always been my go-to, at least for the last 15 years. Oh, that sounds like your thinking and my thinking are the same, <laughs> but I, I love hearing somebody else say it who's who's actually been you know really in the in the fight game and and then you know can can a, can give a difference between both and ha- has suffered from an injury and and knows that the benefit. I, from- I, and I'm not saying there's never a time and a place for it. Just mm-hmm. just like I said, I I needed to have my knee worked on. So we found a fantastic orthopedic surgeon, one that was willing to work, you know, hand in hand with Michelle and actually the hospital where I had the surgery done. I, if I'm not mistaken, had an acupuncturist on staff. Mm -hmm. So it it wasn't, it was no big deal when I said, listen, (laughs) I need my acupuncturist. (laughs) You know, I understand that you have one of your own, but I've got mine, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So Michelle, um, you, um, I had heard in an interview, you, you used to suffer from migraines Mm -hmm. and I, that's definitely, I mean, I know men do, but for women during their monthly cycle, they, they tend to do that. So what was your experience? And I, was that the catalyst too, that got you to, you know, um, study everything that you're studying and learn everything that you learn so you can bring it to other people. So just go into that a little bit. It is actually. Yeah. Uh, I had migraines, you know, 300 plus days a year. They were nonstop. And uh, I had been to migraine clinics 
literally around the country without anybody being able to um, find a way to help me. And uh, I had been through all of the Western medicine. I'd come from a very Western medicine family. My grandfather worked for the American Medical Association. So, uh, you know, taught at the University of Chicago Medical School. Uh, so I came from that background and I really exhausted every resource that I possibly could to, uh, to try to deal with the migraines and finally had a, a doctor say to me, you know what, there's nothing more we can do. You just have to live with them. And anybody who suffered from a migraine, you know, you have it for an hour or two and you feel like your world's ending. I was having them 24 seven and, uh, and I just really couldn't think about, uh, living the rest of my life that way. Uh, and, uh, my physical therapist at the time who I was seeing to help with the migraines said, you know, you really need to see an acupuncturist. And I thought, oh my gosh, no way. That's, you know, a bunch of, you know, crazy stuff. It's, you know, incense and, and voodoo. Uh, and so for six months, you know, she's like, you really need to see an acupuncturist. You really need to see an acupuncturist. And, and finally, I just went, you know what? I've got nothing left to lose. I've literally tried everything there is. I've got nothing left to lose. And that's what brought me into it. And sure enough, in a very short period of time, she got rid of all of my migraines. And on top of it, everything else that I hadn't even realized I was suffering from and just made me feel like a million bucks. So uh, it was life changing. And, uh, and I sent everybody I knew for everything that I could think of to an acupuncturist. Uh, but at the time, I really, uh, I really didn't think that that was going to be my life calling. And I, you know, I used it to feel better and went on my merry way. And it wasn't until a few years later when I thought, okay, this is really what I need to be doing for a living. Wow. Mm -hmm. That's a great way to get into something because you're truly passionate about it. Yeah. I can yeah. see that. I can hear that in your voice too. Yeah. Um, when, um, so how, how is it, you know, when you, when you both work together, mm -hmm. um, how does that work between you two? Like when you're, when you're working with a fighter, who does what and how does, you know, how does that, you guys have been working together for a long time. How does it work? <laughs> we are a great team. Uh, we actually do slightly different things. So I do all of the medical intake, obviously. When I have a client, uh, they come to me and we go through head to toe what's going on in their body, what are their goals, uh, what is you know, what is their training camp like, what have their camps in the past been like. Usually there's a specific reason that they're coming to me. Uh, most frequently it's people who've had a history of bad weight cuts or, or had difficulty with it and just want to feel better. Uh, and so they want to try something different and uh, they'll come to us, I'll do the intake, I'll write up a nutrition plan, and then uh, Paulina and I will both check in with them continually and offer nutrition advice, see how they're doing, uh, recovery advice, handle their day-to-day -day injuries, uh, anything that comes up. Uh, Paulina really is um, phenomenal with menus. If they're calling and they're like, oh my gosh, I am craving chocolate brownies. What can we do? And I'm two weeks out from camp. <laughs> Paulina will take all of the recommendations that I have and find a way to put them into something that they will like and enjoy. And she has come up with cassava flour brownies that we can give people. Mm -hmm. um, she is a master at that. And then during fight week, we often share the responsibilities. I will do the acupuncture. She will do the cooking. Um, and we just go back and forth uh, to, to figure out how to meet their needs. And really, uh, 
to take everything off of their plate so that the only thing that they have to worry about is training and taking care of themselves. So we really try to do everything else for them. That's excellent. It's Paulina, not- do you have something else to add? For <laughs> There's a million other things that we do. I'm sure she can add on top of that. I know. Anything, Paulina? Uh, no, it, it really is like that. You know, Michelle's, you know, the, the go-to person pretty much. And then she kind of, ass- I guess, kind of assigns tasks like, hey, during fight week, you'll be responsible for X, Y, Z. I'm going to take care of blah, check in with me. You know, we kind of sit down at the end of every, you know, at the end of every um, day and kind of go over, especially if we have more than one kind of what happened and the, mm-hmm. we share the information, she comes up with a plan for the next day. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's no different than, you know, athletes that we are not on site with, you know, they, mm-hmm. they let me know X, Y, and Z. I quickly say, you know, I quickly stop and I'll let Michelle know what's going on. She'll let me know um, what they need to do. I'll relay the information and go from there. A lot of times that's, that seems to work better simply because um, if she's with a patient or something like that and they can't get a hold of her, I can quickly knock on the door, interrupt her, ask her the question and have an answer. Whereas if they text her and you know she's with back-to-back clients, she might not see her phone for three or four hours. And in the meantime, the question needed to be answered. So a lot of times somebody will, you know, ask me, I'll ask her, get them the answer and we'll go from there. But that, that's um, great. That's so this sounds like you guys have great communication and, and you uh, have to, you have to, if you, if you don't and something falls through the cracks, you know, it's the difference whether, you know, at least with um, fighters, whether or not they have a good day training, a good fight, a good mm-hmm. fight week, et cetera. So it, sharing information is crucial. Mm-hmm. And I, I can't highlight crucial enough. And I think that's one of the things that's made us so successful is uh, every fighter knows that they can contact us, you know, 24 mm-hmm. seven. And Paulina is like right there, you know, returning the texts immediately. And like she said, you know, if I'm with clients, I can't interrupt to take text messages. And so mm-hmm. she, uh, she can answer them right away and keep them straight on track so that they don't have to worry about what they're eating or drinking or if they've taken the right things at the right time. Mm-hmm. That's, that's huge. Mm-hmm. So when you talk to your clients about the importance of healthy diet and uh, how that can affect their hormones, mm-hmm. um, you know, like if, if, they're, if they're doing vegan diets or gluten-free diets or the blood type diet or a ketogenic diet, do you work within those sorts of diets or do you have your own plan? So my... Uh, what I do is I ask everybody, you know, what they have been on, what has worked for them. And then we kind of go through head to toe. Uh, the most important thing for me to know is how are they digesting their food? How are they absorbing their food? What are their issues? Do they have issues with endurance? Do they have issues with sleep? Do they have issues with falling asleep after they've eaten or not having an appetite in the morning? My job isn't to look at a specific diet. My job is to look at a specific individual and figure out what's best for them. Um, That's the most important thing. And if we go through an intake and they feel absolutely fantastic on a particular diet, 
will probably start there and then adjust it. Um, but I do have my own ideas about what the body needs. Um, my background is actually reproductive endocrinology. So it's the study of human hormones. And I spent uh, about 20 years working in fertility and pregnancy and postpartum and pediatrics. So I spent a majority of my day telling people how to balance their hormones so that they could create an entire human being from scratch. Mm -hmm. So uh, to take that information and just uh, manipulate their hormones so that they can have more energy, have endurance, fight better, recovery better, pretty easy, but it's the same concept. Uh, it's the same concept of what they need to eat to build hormones. And I haven't found any of you know the most popular diets out there that really addresses exactly that everybody is talking about macros and mm. you know ph level and proteinuria and what i'm really talking about is what are you absorbing what are you digesting and you know if you are eating the right foods at the right times you will show it your energy will be off the charts your endurance will be off the charts and that is our goal is that you always feel your best and perform your best and you should be able to go into a five round fight and at the end of it feel like it's no worse than a hard day of training you should the, you should feel that good and the other thing to note is is that the diets any diet that is mass marketed is never for everybody do you know what I mean? For example, I don't do well eating rice. That's not my thing. I don't feel good. There are bodybuilders that swear by it. You know, some people could say a sweet potato works. So to, to go back to what Michelle was saying, that it's about what your body absorbing. It is about what your body is absorbing. And it's not about what the person next to you is being able to do. And that's the thing, you know. <clears throat> you can follow a diet and it's great but it may not be perfect for you. So the whole idea is taking the information um, through the intake and through, you know, hey, how are you feeling if you eat this? And then creating a diet that works for the individual versus giving them a diet that's the same as, you know, 10,000 other people. It just doesn't work that way. No two bodies are the same. Yeah. When it comes to hormones too, I mean, you know, men have different hormones than women, obviously, and, and, um, or different ratios of those hormones. And, um, how, how do you treat, um, you know, your female fighters as opposed to your male fighters? That's a great question. Uh, some basic hormones everybody has. I mean, we all have adrenaline, noradrenaline, uh, but obviously men have higher testosterone, women have estrogen and progesterone that fluctuates throughout their cycle. And the thing that men don't think about is every single week of the month, hormones are different in a woman. So from the first week to the second week to the third week to the fourth week, we're playing with different hormones and how she's going to feel and what it's going to do to her body. So uh, managing a diet for a woman is very different. Understanding uh, that two weeks out of the month she has high progesterone and what is that going to do? It's going to slow down her digestion. It's going to make her more bloated. It's going to make her look like she's gaining weight. Two weeks out of the month, her estrogen is going to be higher. She's going to feel great and thin. Um, it's really understanding how those work and what you can do to support them as completely as possible and 
to do it while they are training. And professional athletes train a tremendous amount. Um, you know, they work their bodies uh, like nobody else out there. I mean, it's not enough that they train hard. And I would say it's like being in a car accident every day. You know, there's so much uh physical trauma to the body, but then there's also the trauma to the hormones because you're always putting your body into this fight or flight mode and your body can only create so many hormones. So you're going to have sex hormones or you're going to have fight or flight hormones, which is it going to be today? Because the human body is brilliant in its evolution and it says you can't have both working at the exact same time, so which is it going to be? Um, and you have to find ways through nutrition to override that for professional athletes who's every single day in, you know, in that fight or flight mode. So it's, it's, it's a lot to go into it. And for women, it's four times as much work, but it's four times as rewarding also. Have you seen, um, I think it was like last year or maybe the year before, Chris uh, Cyborg Santos po posted those videos of her cutting weight because cutting weight was always an issue. And part of it was, you know, during her cycle, um, I, there was a lot of issues or whatever. And when you saw that or when you see that, which the, the, the pain that she went through to cut that type of weight, you know, how would you address that? Well, you know, I really can't speak about somebody who's not a client because I have no idea what she was going through. Mm. Um, you know, I don't know anything about her medical history. I don't know anything about her nutrition or her weight cutting. So I really can't speculate on that. So um, when women are in their cycle and cutting weight, um, how do they how do they deal with it? Like when you when you're treating them, how do you deal with say? women that are in this process when, when you're treating them or not treating them, but helping them get into, you know, uh, fight camp, getting through them through fight camp, cutting weight. Mm -hmm. What's the process there? So for somebody who perhaps has their, her menses during a weight cut or during a fight. Yeah. Uh, that is different for everybody. And what we try to do is anticipate it so that we know where they are in their cycle when the fight is about to happen. We know how their body handles it. We know if, uh, if there's somebody who bloats and has extra weight and we try to make the weight cut as simple uh, as possible to make it as easy as possible, knowing that you're already going to be losing blood, uh, and you know, losing iron. So you want to um, not stress their body, <laughs> stress it yeah, any more than it is. Yes, exactly. And that is, I mean, it, it, it does make it substantially more difficult um, to do, but it's also very possible. And it's also just a very real part of being a female athlete. Every female athlete has to contend with it. Um, so it's just, you just have to uh, plan for it. Mm-hmm. Um, as you know, women have started this kind of, they're on the a little bit of the later side, you know, we have a younger, younger generation coming up now. Uh, but a lot of the women are, you know, late twenties, early thirties, and then some, um, are in their forties. They're not, you know, um, fighting at the UFC level, but they're, they're in their forties and they are, they are, you know, amateur fighters and, and they're, you know, starting possibly um, menopause. Can you address that for women that are aging and still in the sport? How, how they or how you can handle that through diet or acupuncture or whatever it is, you know, you could offer them. 
Sure. Well, on the professional athlete side, I have not seen that. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, menopause, you know, the average age is, is 52. Obviously, perimenopause is about 10 years before that where you're going to get, you know, symptoms of hot flashes and irregular cycles. Um, the best way to address that is through nutrition, through diet, and through, you know, uh, exercise and lifestyle. So uh, the more that you can do to support healthy hormones, have the healthy essential fatty acids, build those essential hormones, um, maintain a healthy blood sugar level, you know, uh, eat on a regular schedule, stay really hydrated, uh, exercise to reduce stress. All of those things are going to help. The other thing that's really important that we didn't discuss, and it actually kind of uh, affects people on the younger end of the spectrum, is don't overtrain so much or get your body to such a, a low BMI that you lose your cycle. That is a really huge problem that we see with female athletes is uh, uh, due to the amount of training, due to the low-fat diet, due to the low uh, body mass index, they'll actually lose their cycle. And it's interesting, you know, we see it in both men and women. Women lose their cycle and, and you understand that their hormones are off. Men go into something called andropause, their testosterone drops. And uh, we don't discuss it unless, you know, you're talking about, oh my gosh, this guy's on testosterone replacement and he's in his 20s. How could that possibly be? Well, it can because, you know, uh, the body can only do so much before it says, I don't need the testosterone, I need the adrenaline. And... Um, it takes that adrenaline for fight or flight. So people who train excessively, uh, pretty much all professional athletes, they're going to affect those hormones. And so we're going to do everything we can with essential fatty acids and blood sugar balance to keep them as healthy as long as possible. Wow. So um, how, would, how about speaking about how emotions um, affect our relationship with the body, the mind, the organs, um, and um, how food can treat that. Oh, sure. That's, that's, uh, that's a really important question when we're talking about nutrition uh, for anybody, not just professional athletes, but professional athletes too. Um, your emotions absolutely can affect your energy. And anybody knows this. You've seen somebody who's in love and they look like they're glowing and they've got all of this boundless energy and they can eat, you know, a, a sheet of brownies and never gain a pound. They're just so happy and their metabolism's working great. And you've seen people who've gone through grief or shock and they look, you know, tired and, and heavy. Um, the thing that I see the most frequently is stress. You know, uh, I think stress is just a, a very common human condition, but the stress that a professional athlete puts themselves under, uh, you know, every single day, they want to be the best for the coaches. They want to be the best for uh, the UFC or Bellator, whoever they're fighting for. They want to be the best that they can be. And they're constantly putting themselves under this amount of stress. And the thing with stress is it really, um, it does put your body into a constant fight or flight mechanism. And that really does start to affect it. It starts to um, break down tissue, break down joints, decrease lubrication in the joints. Um, it really just depletes, you know, all of the electrolytes in the muscles so that you're more prone to spasm and things like that. So, um, 
the thing with acupuncture and with nutrition is supporting the body to anticipate, we talked about preventative, anticipate what the body is going to go through so that we can give it extra things, uh, extra support so that it doesn't get as affected. Um, for instance, if we know people are going to be under this constant stress, this constant fight or flight, we know that it's going to be taxing their adrenal energy. Adrenals are that fight or flight. So we're going to give it, you know, uh, perhaps licorice tea, which helps uh, support adrenal energy, or we're going to give it um, astragalus, which also supports adrenal energy. Uh, we're going to do balancing blood sugar because adrenals are part of the endocrine system, and so is the pancreas. The thyroid is part of the endocrine system. We're going to give it foods like that that help support each part of that so that that stress doesn't affect and break down the body as quickly. You can see that a lot of athletes, you know, the wear and tear on their body is a lot from stress. And if you can just have a great day and make them relax and have a good laugh, all of those aches and pains can start to heal and go away. And, and one of the big things that Paulina and I are known for during fight week is everybody always hears a lot of laughter coming out of our room. Um, we really just want you know, our athletes to remember why they're in there. Why did you start doing this? You're fighting because you fell in love with it and it's your passion and you want to be in there. And how do we help support that so you really have your best performance? Um, and, and we do that with electrolyte waters and you know vegetable juices and healthy food and giving them things that they look forward to and they like i mean if you're eating a boring dry grilled chicken breast and a dry sweet potato for every single meal for eight weeks you're gonna have a lot of hatred <laughs> you know <laughs> but if yeah. it was something that you can look forward to um, if you're getting a chocolate muffin, if you're getting a French toast, if you're getting something that you really like, you're getting that burger, you have something to look forward to. Your whole energy changes. You, you, you train better, you sleep better, you're in a better mood. And you know, that's part of it too. We want people to be in a good mood. Um, one of the most common comments we get from uh, coaches and families and reporters is that the athletes that we work with are happy and, you know, they're, they're not biting somebody's head off because they haven't eaten in a week or they're dehydrated or they haven't slept. Like, you know, we really do try to treat every day as this is the best day of your life. Enjoy it. Um, food's part of that. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I mean, where you're treating and you're working so, so closely with the fighters um, and you're working diet, you're working... Mm -hmm. Um, their injury prevention and recovery. Um, mm -hmm. What do you see as the maybe the third or most you know challenge that the fighters are having now that might not be addressed that um, you see might be a hole that that isn't being addressed and, and maybe you know you could help them or maybe mm -hmm. something else they need something else that isn't. Mm -hmm. What do you see now for fighters? Very commonly, um, when you see a professional athlete, you already know that they have incredible natural talent. Um, to get to the level of the athletes that we're working with, they have the best coaches in the world. You put with that the best nutritionists to help them uh, have that endurance and have that recovery so that they can fight. Um, the, the other thing they need is to have the right mental attitude towards it. You know, I have one athlete that has 
the best attitude during weight cut. He says, you know, why would I complain? 500 people in the entire world have this job. I am one of the most elite athletes in the world. Why am I going to complain about doing my job? So I have to cut weight. That's my choice not to walk around at my weight. He's like, I am grateful to be able to do it. And that kind of positive attitude makes the weight cut go super quick because the body's not stressed. It's not thinking, oh my God, I hate this. I don't want to do this. I'm going to die. It's thinking another day at the job. Let's go. Super easy. So that mental attitude is probably the one thing that uh, still needs to be addressed in, in a lot of uh, athletes and in the general public. That is a big part of it. Doing something every day to make you laugh is going to do as much for your training and your competition as eating right in and training right. Yeah. Do you find that their egos might get in the way of, of that positive mental attitude um, in, in a way that maybe they don't um, draw in, uh, maybe they don't meditate, for instance. So maybe fears brought in through, you know, um, their ego, you know, something from their past or, and it shows up maybe in, in their body, but, um, where food and, um, maybe the, you know, the acupuncture itself can't address, but maybe meditation or something else could do. You, I mean, do you work, do you see that at all? Or do you do? I haven't, I haven't seen that really. Um, you know, we are very fortunate that, like I said, because all of the athletes that come to us have come based on referrals from other people. We work with the world's best athletes. We have uh, amazing people to work with. And I haven't really had anybody with egos. Everybody has been really um, incredible. And the place that fear might come in or the mental, you know, um, uh, meditation might come in. It, it's not the same for everybody. Some people do great with meditation. Um, a lot of athletes, their meditation is actually going and training and working their body and working their energy through that. Um, it's, it's finding what's right for everybody. For some people, it's acupuncture. For some people, it's cupping. For some people, it's meditation. For some people, it's, it's you know guided imagery. There's so many different things out there that can really address that. And it's finding the one that's right for you. Yeah. Pauline, do you have any thoughts on that? Um, I definitely agree with what uh, Michelle has said in that um, uh, um, it's not about the egos. And um, while the athletes do have egos, uh, as far as their athletic skills, they are, they are extraordinarily humble mm -hmm. when it comes to learning something new. Um, and they realize that in order to succeed, they need to constantly be learning. Mm -hmm. And it's not just learning their craft. It's learning about things that can help them feel better. Uh, we have yet to come across an athlete that is, that is at an elite level that thinks that they know everything. There are athletes that think that they know everything but are not at this level. To, to, if that makes sense, the ones that <laughs> That's become a good one. <laughs> the, the ones that be yeah the ones that become elite in the top ten and the top twenty even in the top thirty of the divisions worldwide are truly those that are open to um, to learning everything um, whether it's nutrition or um, how to meditate or yoga uh, we have athletes right now that are in camp in Colorado Springs that are doing yoga because it's, it's new. They're going to physical therapists because 
they understand that they have they all have limitations on their knowledge and they are turning to the best in the world and you know whether that's michelle or a physical therapist or a yoga instructor or a sports psychologist it does take a team we had another athlete that said you know um having you guys was not just um the roadmap it was building a road for me so um the ones that are truly elite understand that it takes a team you know Mm -hmm. kind of you know one team one dream the Mm -hmm. ones that think they know and don't listen won't become that elite athlete Mm -hmm. you know even even in the UFC, I'll just say that there are athletes that are brash and, you know, say, you know, they're cocky and everybody thinks that, you know, there are these personas, their images that they portray, but behind the scenes, they are humble and yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. Uh, you tell me what you think I should do. This, you know, tell me, what do you think? You know, how can I make this better? I'll, you know, those, those are the athletes that become successful, truly successful in, in, in MMA that break the top 15. I wouldn't even say the top 10, just to break the top 15 yeah. is, is a feat. It certainly is. Wow. So what are some of the myths or traditions uh, fighters and coaches have uh, that need to be debunked uh, for that, you know, for, for their fighters, you know, to become their best or to be in that top 15? I'm sorry you, you, to- you, you, I'm sorry, you broke up. Can you repeat that, please? Okay, sorry about that. I said, oh, um, what, are, what are some of the myths or traditions fighters and coaches have that need to be debunked, you know, for, for them to, you know, end up or be in the, be in the top 15%? Um, <laughs> that's, a, that's a loaded question, but um, I'll give you an example. Um, we're currently working with um, boxers that have been in the game. The coaches have been in the game for 20, 20, 30, 40 years and their trainers before them. And it was always about um, drinking as little as possible to keep your weight down. It was always about training so hard that you threw up. It became, it was training um, as hard as you could. Now, and you see it um, evolving within within boxing and MMA. It's about being smarter and training smarter. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's you know one of the biggest things that you know you have to you know spar hard every day. That that's a big myth. I mean, you don't need to spar harder every day. The, actually, the reverse is probably true in a great many cases. Um, if you spar hard every day, the amount of brain trauma you know the amount of trauma that your brain takes is is extraordinary. You don't need to do that to become a better fighter. You just, you need to train smarter. Things like, um, I heard this one this weekend, uh, that in order to make weight, you can't take a shower or sit in a bath because your body will absorb the water. (laughs) Your body doesn't work that way. It's, you know, so... I just, you know what I'm saying? So like, it's I mean, absorbing the water if you're opening your mouth in the shower and drinking it. That's right. So probably, probably one of the biggest ones is um, staying hydrated. Mm-hmm. For a long time, it was believed that you needed to be dehydrated as long as possible in order to, to make weight. And if you didn't make weight, you'd never crack the top 15. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I think that 
that's a myth. I think that the more people realize that if, as long as they're healthy, living a healthy lifestyle, that will contribute more to them being able to train and compete and perform in a way to make that top 15 versus, you know, not sitting in a bath where, you know, you can sit in a bath and you can, it can, it's restorative and it helps your body recover um, versus thinking that you're going to absorb the water. It's just little things like that. I don't think there's any one great big myth. I think it's a bunch of little things that as the sport has evolved and as people with different backgrounds have come in and kind of put their two cents in, it's becoming a complete picture. Um, And science and medicine will always help an athlete evolve, Mm. you know, so to speak. And and if you have somebody that really cares about the athlete and isn't always worried about um, doing things in the traditions that they have been and is willing to say, you know what? No, no, hold on. This athlete is not going to be dehydrated for three weeks. We're actually going to hydrate this athlete because it's better for this athlete and this athlete will perform. That per- the person that is willing to kind of go against the grain, against the things that have always been done, like alcohol in a bath and distilled water, that person is the person that will make the most amount of difference and kind of change the way it's done. So I don't think it's any one big thing. Mm-hmm. I think it's cumulative. You know, it's a bunch of little things that will kind of help athletes break that top 15. You're absolutely right. I was, uh, let me add one thing. Uh, at this level where everybody is the best of the best, it's those tiny little things that give you that edge. And it is your ability to say, let me learn those tiny little things. Let me try that because I'll do anything to get that little bit of an edge that makes the difference. That's so cool. Do you think, um, you know, where women are being being more welcomed and involved in um, these types of sports, combative sports, that this is why these changes are kind of coming into fruition? I don't know if it's because women are, are becoming more involved or there's just um, – more publicity about it, more, more information about it. Um, but whatever the reason it's helping everybody and benefiting everybody. And I think it's a, it's a great thing because you don't want to go out there and beat yourself up and, you know, have a career over 30 something and just physically feel miserable. You want to go out there and have a career as long as you possibly can and be able to enjoy your life afterwards and have physical and mental capabilities that let you enjoy the rest of your life. So everything that they are doing um, to make the sport safer, to make the sport healthier, behind it 100%. And it's not, and it's not that it replaces you know, training and the hours that you, that you put in and the coaches that you have, it's an addition to, you know, it's never, she never says, you know what, like if you do X, you don't need to train. No, that's never the case. It's if you do X, you'll be able to train better. You'll be able to train longer. You'll be able to be more effective. It's in addition to, do you know what I mean? So it's not that in any way that, um, that, we say, you know what? No, 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 no. You can't do the X anymore unless it's harmful to your body. It's, listen, you, are, you have the best trainers in the world. You, you have extraordinarily t- extraordinary talent. 
you have, you know, the drive and the determination and you work harder than anybody. You know what? But let's make that just a little bit better. And let's get you to the point where your body functions at an optimum level, on an optimal level. Yeah. So over the course of, you know, the last 10 to 15 years that you've been, you know, working with uh, fighters or professional athletes, is there any point in time where you felt that um, you failed a client and how did that go? And, you know, what did you learn from it and how did that make you guys make you better? If, if, if that, if you can think of anything as, as a team, you know, a supportive team player. Um, I don't think that we have ever failed a client. We work as a team um, with our clients and coming up with decisions. Um, you know, and, and here's the thing. Every coach can give their client information, and then it is up to the client to use it um, and to utilize it and to enact it. So everything that we do, we do as a team, and, and we stand by everything that we've done 100%. Um, our decisions are always based on the best medical care to keep our clients as healthy as possible, as long as possible. So I don't think that we've ever experienced really failure from a client standpoint like that. But, you know, with every, with every single fight that we do with every single client that we have, we're constantly learning and evaluating and evolving. After every fight, we go over how did the camp go? How did the fight week go? How did the weight cut go? How did you feel during your fight? What worked for you? What would we like to change? And obviously, as they physically change, you know, each fight, maybe they get a little bit leaner or they have a new injury. We're constantly evolving and learning from that. So it's, it's really more of a process of just constantly learning. Right. You, you've never come up against um, uh, fighters that you've had on that have used any sort of banned substances or anything like that, like, or maybe decided, oh, I'm not going to work with you because I know that you've used substances, you know? Um, there are, there's an extensive um, intake that Michelle does. And um, there have been fighters in the past that have uh, used substances that are now banned mm-hmm. that when they were using them were not banned. So let me, so I want to be very clear about that. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not saying, um, I'm not saying anything about one particular fighter one way or the other. I'm just saying that for a long time, there was no regulation. So mm-hmm. it was about using TRT like that. Let's just yeah. use that one, for example, because that one was very common and for a very long time it was legal. And then mm-hmm. it's, became a banned substance. And as a result, fighters started saying, hey, listen, you know, this is something that I've used in the past. Obviously, I can't use it. How can we do it so I don't need it? And that's where Michelle's background in reproductive endocrinology has come into play, being able to have those athletes, you know, balance their hormones. The other thing is, is that, you know, we only know what an athlete does because they tell us. Right. So if they don't tell us, Mm-hmm. We don't know. And, you know, okay, have there athletes, have there been athletes that have not told us things? Mm. Uh, there's no way to know. Do you know what I mean? There's, mm-hmm. there's just no way to know. Um, we are very open with our athletes and we do say, listen, if you tell me everything, we can figure this out. But if you leave something out, then we can't help you. You know, we can't help you do it legally. We can't help you stay on this side 
of uh, of the rules. Do you know what I mean? On the correct side of the rules. So, I mean, I mean, you just never know. The USADA ban was one of the greatest things that actually happened to us because people were coming to us saying, how do we get the same results naturally? Oh, I can tell you how to do that because working in fertility, you couldn't use substances to help somebody get pregnant. So if I had to help a man um, increase his hormones to help his wife get pregnant, I had to do it with food and nutrition. So that is something that I can do very easily, very simply. Um, in my sleep in no time flat and get them the same results or better results than they were using um, because now we're making the whole body healthy. So it's actually been one of the greatest things that's happened and, um, and we're happy to help because, you know, that's our goal. And, you know? and we do have a, a saying that if you, if you follow the plan that's been laid out, mm -hmm. everything will go smoothly. Mm -hmm. If you don't follow the plan or if you kind of pick and choose, mm -hmm. and there have been athletes that, want to pick and choose what they listen to. They'll listen to a little bit of this person, a little bit of this person, a little bit of this person. Mm -hmm. And they struggle and they come back and say, you know what? Okay, my bad. Let's do it the right way. <laughs> okay, great. Let's do it the right way. Um, so, I mean, everybody has to learn themselves. You know, everybody is an adult. People can make their own decisions. Um, the the path that Michelle lays on, uh, lays down is not for everybody. Um, she's brilliant at what she does. We stand by all of the work that we have done in the past, but ultimately it's everybody's choice what, whether or not they choose to follow the plan that she lays out. Um, um, who would you say has played a meaningful role in your life's journey and influenced you in a positive way? Paulina. <laughs> <laughs> Michelle. Um, for that's, me, so, that's adorable. Uh, <laughs> it's true. It. I love that's it. The truth. Um, for me, my at least the influences that have affected me in this profession, obviously, uh, Michelle, um, because she is the one that kind of opened that door up and, and you know, kind of passed on that knowledge to me and, um, gave me the ability to realize that it's not just about one way. There are many ways to do it and it's not just cookie cutter and it's not just, hey, take this pharmaceutical pill and everything will be better. It's about really allowing your body to, to, to function and perform at its best at a very high level for a very long time. Mm -hmm. And it's not just about what my body or an athlete's body is doing right now. It's she wants them to be healthy 10, 15, 25 years from now, you know, 30 years from now, 40 years from now, especially with the younger athletes, the athletes that are 20 something, she looks at their bodies now and then fast forwards 40 years and doesn't want them to have kidney issues, heart issues, you know, joint pain issues. She wants them to be able to, if they want to have a family, they have a family. So she wants to create a healthy person, not just the person for right now, but 60 years down the road, 40 years down the road. So the, at least in this particular field, she has been the greatest influence by far. Thank you. And I, I have to say, you know, Paulina and, uh, and, you know, we've got a pretty close knit group of friends that, um, 
that we, that we hang out with. And all of our friends, ironically, are people that we have trained with and built relationships with. And, you know, it's interesting because they range in age from their 20s to their 60s. And they all uh, bring something to the table to inspire uh, that you can be strong and healthy at any age that, you know, somebody can be 10 or 20 or 30 years older than you and still kick your butt and still put you in place because they have the experience and they don't come at it, you know, 110%, but they use their energy and their talent wisely. And um, just, you know, bringing the laughter and bringing the fun and bringing the joy and bringing uh, the sweat and everything with it. It's inspiring every single day. I can look around at any one of them and, uh, and feel happy and inspired about something that they've done and brought to my life. Awesome. So what are three things that you do that are essential to your success leading an empowered life? Cause man, you two are both very empowered women. <laughs> oh my gosh. Paulina, go um, ahead. <laughs> Um, I truly try to keep, uh, negativity and people that are negative and not positive out of my life. Um, uh, I try to always look at the positive, you know, Hey, this is okay. I recognize that this happened, but as a result, this happened. And, um, I don't allow myself to get bogged down and dragged down by negativity. There's always going to be somebody that criticizes anything you do. You know what I mean? You can walk into the room, you don't have the right pair of shoes on or the sunglasses or whatever the case may be. You can walk into the room and they're like, oh, they made that mistake. You know, at the end of the day, um, it's about me being able to be proud of the work that I've done and the work that I'm doing, whether it's with perfecting athletes, whether it's in my personal life, whether it's in my marriage, and my friendships with others, it, as in, as an aunt, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, it's about being able to be positive and, mm-hmm. and be positive no matter what type of negativity is going around. Ne- negativity will eat you alive before mm-hmm. you realize it. And that's just not the type of lifestyle that I want. So mm-hmm. I try to keep positive people around me as much as possible. Um, and those people that influence me to become a better person, the people that serve as my moral compasses, those are the people that I try to keep around, um, myself. And that allows me to be empowered and be stronger and live a better life. Uh, three things I do, uh, prayer. That's a huge part of who I am and, and what I bring. Uh, my faith is, is it's just, it's who I am. It, it's, it's a, something that I have to have every day, whether it's through meditation or, um, or through going to church, there's every part of my day, there's some sort of prayer and thankfulness and gratitude in it. Uh, exercise, breaking a sweat, it's the greatest thing ever to keep you focused and happy and empowered. Um, nothing makes you feel stronger than a good workout. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, just nutrition, feeding your body, um, making sure that I'm making good choices and, and happy choices and loving the choices that I'm making. So if I'm eating a salad, it's because I want to eat a salad. If I'm eating a brownie, it's because I want to eat a brownie. You know, uh, somebody once said to me, you know, um, well, gosh, you know, anybody could be skinny if they eat that all day, but who wants to eat salads all day? Mm-hmm. And, um, and I thought, well, you know, Nobody has to eat salads all day, but if you love them and that's what you want to eat, do it. You know, don't let somebody else tell you um, 
what you're doing is right or wrong. Make your choices, enjoy them, and it's going to nourish your body and your soul and your spirit more than anything in the world. You know, looking at your food and hating it, that's going to detract from it. Looking at it and loving it, looking at everything that you do in life and loving it and be grateful for it, I think that empowers you to, uh, to go and teach other people to do the same thing. Awesome. I, this is a question I ask all my guests and, um, well, here we go. Um, were you ever told no? And I mean, this could be when you were very young, any, any, any time during your lifespan and it kept you from doing something that you really wanted to because you were a female or a, or a woman. Um, and then if so, how did you handle that? Um, I don't, that was never an example, at least for me growing up, that was never an example. Um, I was raised by a single mom um, and she is extraordinarily successful. And I, and again, I cannot emphasize the word extraordinarily successful enough. So for me, it was never, it, it was never um, an example that a woman couldn't do something. Do you know what I mean? It was the opposite. It was women can do anything they want. So I don't, maybe somebody told me no, but I don't know that it ever crossed my mind that it was no. It was, I can be successful doing whatever I want. You know, I, I was a, a fighter when it wasn't, when there weren't women fighting. You know, I, I held, I've held jobs that were predominantly male, you know, um, associated with men primarily did it, you know, paramedic working in a restaurant. Like mm. these are things that were male dominated industries and mm. never once occurred to me that I couldn't do it because I was a woman. Um, but that was the example that I had growing up, you know, um, there, I don't think that my mom ever told, taught me that there were jobs that were for men and jobs up for were for women. And, you know, as a woman, you did X, Y, and Z. That was never the case. It was, you do whatever you do and you do it to the best of your ability so that you are successful. And that was, that, that's what I was taught. And so if somebody once told me that I couldn't do something because I was a woman, I don't know that it registered. Yeah, I would say, um, if there was anything that anybody was ever going to tell us no that we couldn't do, it's probably doing nutrition for MMA for all of the male athletes. <laughs> um, and clearly, we've done that. So, um, <clears throat> you know, I don't really think so. I, I, I think one of the things that uh, is so fantastic about Paulina and I and, and the group of friends that we have is we're up for anything. There, there isn't a no. There is a, how are you going to do it? Let's go at it. Is it something that you want to do? Um, and, and there shouldn't be a reason not to. You know, to be a female company run by two women, um, employing women, to go out there and work with the biggest, baddest men in the industry, and now luckily the biggest, baddest women also, mm -hmm. um, helping them through uh, weight cuts and nutrition and fight week. I mean, if there was anything that anybody was going to tell us no to, I'm sure that that was, everybody was looking at us like, you're never going to make it. Yeah. And, and we, you know, and, and we've, we've made it. And not only have we made it, we've had 
the biggest names in the business. We've had more world champions than any other nutrition team out there. Um, so no, is it really a, a word that's um, in our vocabulary? No. <laughs> And if it no, is, and, we just you know, don't understand it. It must be a different language. <laughs> Unfortunately, we 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 have we have had the opportunity to work with some incredible female athletes. Um, mm. Kayla Harrison, yeah. first um, Olympic judoka, first American judoka, male or female, since we're talking about you know gender, yeah. uh, male or female to ever win an Olympic gold medal to to win the very first Olympic gold medal. Yeah. We did it two times in a row. Yeah. Was the first one, and there were some. In- extraordinarily talented um, male judokas out there, but it took a woman to bring home a gold medal mm-hmm. in judo for the United States. Mm-hmm. So fortunately we, you know, have had the opportunity to work with some incredible women. I mean, you try telling, you know, Kelly Harrison, and I use her as an example because she's, she's up in Boston, you know what I mean? Right. In that area. Yeah. You try telling her that she can't do something because she's a woman mm-hmm. and she'll very promptly tell you <laughs> that she was the first mm-hmm. athlete to bring home a gold medal in judo mm-hmm. in the Olympics. So um, I, you know, try telling Amanda Nunes that she mm-hmm. can't do something because she's a woman or, or Nina Ansaroff or any of the women that, you know, we are public about working with or, you know, or the women, you know, we have a tremendous amount. We have a lot of women that we work with both in sports and in entertainment that we work with. I can't imagine anybody ever telling them that they can't do something <laughs> because they're a woman. I mean, I'm, I, you know, some of the world's most beautiful models there are, I mean, you try telling one of them, sorry, you can't be successful because you're a woman. They will laugh in your face. Mm-hmm. We're very fortunate that we surround ourselves with um, women that are positive role models, um, not just athletes and clients, but our friends. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't imagine telling any one of our close friends that they can't do something because they're one of those straight up laugh in your face, you know, and say, ah, now watch what happens. So mm-hmm. we're very fortunate. That's great. Wow. That's that, that was a superb answer. I'm like, I loved it. I'm like glowing from listening to you too. You're just, you know, coming off of bathing in your energy. I'm like, yay, thank you. You know, it's awesome. So what are the goals uh, for the next, you know, maybe two to three years for your, your, your business um, in, in growing professional athletes? My gosh, well, uh, continue doing what we're doing, which is working with the, the best clients in, um, a, you know, athletes, entertainers, and the general public, and probably getting above, you know, above the radar um, a little bit so that we really can share what we do and how we do it with the general public also. So just being a little bit more um, open uh, and accessible to the general public so that they can look and feel and train uh, the same way that, that all of the professionals do. Um, it shouldn't just be limited to a small percentage of the population, and, and we recognize that. So we have a lot of information that can help a lot of people, and I think that's probably going to be one of the next steps in the next few years. Awesome. I know you have uh, two, two books Mm-hmm. That are published and are available, I think, on your website. Correct. Um, can you, you know, we're going to wrap this up. We've, we've gone on for a while, a <laughs> while, and I, I'm like, no, I kept you, but I, I was like, wow, you guys have so much 
information. This is such an, like a great, um, informative, educational interview that um, I want um, listeners to know that they, you know, if, if they can't hire you, they can get your books mm-hmm. and, and uh, where they could find information about what you do uh, to learn more. Well, you can obviously learn more about us and get our books uh, on uh, our website, which is perfectingathletes.com. You can uh, follow us on Instagram uh, at perfectingathletes, on Twitter at perfectinga. Actually, uh, Instagram is perfecting underscore athletes. And uh, see a little bit about uh, the food that we're making, the athletes that we're working with, and uh, information in the book so that you can train like a professional athlete and feel like one. You can also send us an email at info at perfectingathletes.com. Awesome. Are you both doing like a podcast of some kind too, your own, or did I catch that at the beginning? Or uh, We do not. No, you don't. Oh, but you've no. been on a lot of podcasts. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's awesome. <laughs> All right. Well, I just wanted to thank you. This was wonderful talking to you both and learning so much about nutrition and an alternative way to approach it and a healthy way to approach it. And you guys are both, um, you know, going against what was normally conventional ways of doing things and, and bringing in a, a new, healthier, safer way for fighters to cut weight. And We're definitely against the grain. <laughs> yeah, it is. It totally is. And, and, and be, you know, happy and, and, and enjoy, you know, their, their experience as a fighter. Mm-hmm. It's a job every day. You've got to enjoy it. So thank you so much for having us on. We really appreciate this. And uh, hope you got some great information. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks so much. Wow. How about that last episode? I mean, talk about a ton of information on cutting weight. Things I I didn't know. Um, I learned a lot. I hope you did too. Um, I Wow. I'm still like so much information. I, I have to go listen to it again. So next week, I hope uh, you'll listen in because I have um, an exciting guest who's got some great stories about how she got into and fell in love with Muay Thai kickboxing. It is Lisa King. So I hope you listen in. If you like what you heard today and are eager to hear more, remember to subscribe either at iTunes or on our blog, you can come to EvolveWMMA.com. Or even better, you can follow us at Facebook.com backslash I love WMMA. And you know, this is for every woman that was told no, but nevertheless, she persisted and pursued her dream anyway. This is Shelly Devine. Until next time, thanks for listening.